This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Leading your team to heights the program never achieved can solidify your greatness. But breaking all the records along the way makes you legendary. Well, we have a quarterback who did both right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking downfield for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back! And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith. It's a great time in sports. The NBA and college basketball are back. Plus, the NFL playoffs are right around the corner. With all these games going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat as NBA champs or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus, there's always that online casino as well. The best part about it, it never closes. You can play 24-7. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Washington State has four conference titles and seven All-Americans, but one player was able to get the program over multiple obstacles. First to beat both USC and UCLA in the same season, and after more than six decades, make the granddaddy of them all the Rose Bowl. Oh, and did I mention shattering the record books in the process and going on to be the second overall pick in the NFL draft? We dive into all that and more with my special guest on the show, Ryan Leaf, All-American quarterback and Washington State legend. Thanks for joining me, Ryan. You bet. Thanks for having me. So you're a two-sports star at CM Russell High in Montana, All-State in basketball and winning the Montana State football title. I want to get in your road to Washington State, but did you actually consider playing linebacker at the University of Miami? I never considered that, uh, and I don't. I don't necessarily know how the story spun out. Uh, Dennis Erickson was there at the time as the head coach, and he had Montana ties. And when I went down for my recruiting trip, he was really honest with me. He said, "A, you know, if there's a pro job that that opens, I'm going to take a really hard look at it." And he also said, "Our recruiting coordinator really kind of sees you more as a tight end." So I don't know why it shifted to linebacker. I kind of played with the linebacker's mentality. I was kind of that that headstrong type of player. But, you know, he was real honest with me. And I, you know, I, I think I could have been a, a great tight end as well. But, you know, I just had played quarterback my whole life. And that's what I wanted to do. And if, you know, the Hurricanes weren't, weren't thinking of me as a quarterback, then I certainly wasn't going. And I was such a fish out of water there. When I went down on my recruiting trip, it was just like, you know, where am I? I'm from the, I'm from the sticks in Montana. Miles across, is, yeah, yeah. across the United States. It was much different. Yeah. Well, you landed Washington State. What was recruiting light and how did you pick the Cougars? 
Well, recruiting was crazy. You know, I didn't, didn't expect to be recruited as heavily as I was. I think I was pretty much offered a, a scholarship from, you know, anybody you can think of in terms of, of the college football uh, landscape. But it kind of came down to relationships. And Mike Price was the head coach at the time. And uh, I remember him calling me on the day of the Rose Bowl, January 1st, 1994. Wisconsin UCLA were playing. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm watching this game. And he's like, I'm going to make you a deal. Um, if you come play for me here at Washington State, you and I will play in that game together. And, you know, any of the coaches in the Pac-10 at the time could have called and, and given me that, that pitch. In fact, when I, when I told Terry Donahue that I wasn't going to come on my visit, he said, I couldn't call you. We were playing in the game, Ryan. That test will tell you a lot. <laughs> um, but I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. I walked into mom and dad's bedroom after the phone call got over, and I told them I'm, gonna, I'm going to Washington State. And uh, that was a huge leap of faith. I, didn't, I hadn't done any research. I didn't realize that Washington State hadn't been there since 1931. Exactly. So, you know, it was a, it was a giant leap of faith for me, but it was, it was the best choice I could have made. Oh, definitely. Well, you landed Pullman in 94, red shirt, your freshman year. And the following year, you back up Chad Davis, but you finally get your chance against Stanford and finish up the year as the starter against Washington in the Apple Cup. What did you learn in those first two seasons? Uh, I, I learned that, you know, talent isn't everything, right? I, I didn't work hard enough uh, in the offseason leading into my red shirt freshman year. And Chad Davis, who, you know, had enough equity I think in what he was able to do a year ago offensively even though it was you know we had a poor year offensively that year but to look at Mike Price and for him not to have faith or, or confidence in me to lead that team yet was disappointing and I think I blamed a lot of people other than myself but when I really took a hard look in the mirror that's what I learned I learned that hey your talent alone is not going to get you through this you're going to have to really work hard uh, to perform uh, in this conference. And, but, but when I did get that opportunity, when he did, you know, take the handcuffs off and say, all right, this is your team. You know, I never relinquished that. I, I started every game from the moment he put me in against the the Huskies in the Apple cup, my freshman year. And, and, you know, I, I, I started every game after that until we uh, won a championship and went to the Rose bowl. Yeah, well, like you said, didn't that uh, Apple Cup, you threw for 291 yards against the Huskies, which set a Cougars record for the first start by a QB, plus three total TDs. Is this the time you knew you could take the team on your shoulders? I always, I mean, I was a cocky, <laughs> cocky SOB. You know, I thought I, I thought I should have been the starter as a true freshman. And uh, so when it did happen, I think initially I thought, wow, that was easier than I thought it was going to be. But reality sets in, right? The next year we opened up at Colorado, who was fifth in the country, I think. Coy Detmer and Ray Carruth in that defense. And, you know, we, we were humbled. And I was humbled as a junior that year uh, when we didn't win enough games to go to a bowl game. So I think that's, uh, it, uh, I think that season was more about me learning what, what it takes to be a, a, a leader of, of, of a football team and be a great college football quarterback. Yeah, well, you did beat two top 25 teams that year and earned all Pac-10 and All-American Honorable Mention in your sophomore uh, redshirted season. Did you feel your success would translate to wins? Like you said, it was you were just five and six on that year. Did you feel like it would transfer to wins heading into your junior year? Well, I'd hope it would. You know, we lost a lot of close games that year. And uh, Coach Price used to talk to me about this is, you know, this is important 
you know, it's an important education to, to figure out how to win close games. You just, you hope you'll be able to do it when crunch time happens again. And and then when my junior year came around, you know, all the pundits picked us to finish seventh in the conference that year out of wow. 10 teams. So no one, no one expected us to, to do anything, but I saw what, what no one else saw. And that was the guys who worked hard over the summer and the senior laden team that was there who were excited for an opportunity. And what happened in, in that junior year, we won all those type games, the games that came down to the, the wire UCLA in week one, USC in week two, we found ways to win those games. And that was the different component in which put us over the top. Yeah. Let's get into that dream season. We're talking with Ryan leaf, all American quarterback and Washington state legend. The theme for 97, I believe should be the comeback. You engineer drives when trailing or get challenged by opponents. Like you said, in that opening game against UCLA, you trail 14 to three, then score 27 straight, win 37, 34, you were red hot, throwing a career high, 381 yards, three scores, another on the ground. Uh, so what was the mindset as the team prepared to play USC in the L.A. Coliseum? You were talking about how not being to a Rose Bowl. Washington State hadn't won at the L.A. Coliseum since 1957. Yeah, it had been 40 years. I mean, it was going to be a, a season for for either a continuation of, of history or or a changeup. Luckily for us, we had a bye week. Uh leading up to that USC game. I, I had hurt my ankle pretty, pretty badly in that UCLA game. I was in a boot gotcha. for almost 10 days. Wow. And so luckily for us, uh, I, I got to come into that USC game healthy. And we, we, we got out to a fast start. You know, I think we were up 21 to seven before, before anybody knew anything. USC made a passionate comeback. Uh, and then we found a way with one of the biggest plays of the season. Uh, one of my wide receivers made an unbelievable catch on an audible and then got a, bone rattling block uh, to set him free for a touchdown and, and like these chains just kind of you know evaporated from us in terms of what we were able to get past uh, from what history had held us down for a while and and yeah it's the first time we had won there in 40 years and it, it was going to prove to everybody that uh, that we were as every bit as capable as anybody else uh, and it was a, it was an unbelievable start to the season to be two LA schools and UCLA and USC in the back-to-back weeks to open the season. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. Did you know that it was the first Cougars team ever to defeat both UCLA and USC in the same season? Yeah. We, we found that out pretty quickly. We knew going into the USC game that that was an opportunity. And then what the season ultimately provided for us was the first time Washington state had ever beaten all four California teams in the same season. We go on to beat Cal and Stanford that year. So uh, that's something I don't, I don't believe has ever been in, uh, accomplished again. Yeah, like you said, you beat Cal also. And there was no comeback needed against the Cougars shutout in Boise State. But what was it like to be ranked 15th? Like you said, you weren't ranked high in the beginning. You were picked seventh to win the conference. What was it like to be ranked 15th heading into the Oregon game? Well, it was good. We we had dominated. You know, we were 56-point favorites versus Boise State. And I remember a coach coming into the locker room going, don't, don't buy into this number. It's absurd. There's no reason why a college football team should be 56 point favorites over another team. So we, you know, we just, we went about our business. We ended up covering, we went, we beat them 58 to nothing. 58 to nothing. Uh, you made some people happy so, that took the over. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, if anybody was a gambler back in those days on our games, we covered it all 12 games. Wow. So um, that was, I didn't know anything about it then, but years down the line, when, when fans came up to me, they said, man, you made me so much money in 97. I was just like, <laughs> that's funny to hear because we're not thinking about that at all, but it sure means, means something to, to people out there. Um, 
being ranked was great. I mean, we hadn't had that feeling before, at least I hadn't personally. Sure. So uh, to be ranked uh, was special, though I knew that, you know, we we had to continue to do what we what we did or we weren't going to get the recognition we needed. There were some great teams uh, that year, in particular, Michigan and uh, Ohio State and uh, Tennessee, Florida, uh, Nebraska, again, was really good. Sure. So it was going to take a lot. Kansas State was good. Texas A&M. There was, there was a bunch of good teams in 97. Well, you beat the Ducks that time, 24 to 13, your first Cougar victory in Eugene since 1989. And are you thinking Rose Bowl after Washington State is 5 and 0 and 3 and 0 in the Pac-10? Well, Coach Price, Coach Price uh, had this superimposed photo that he would put up in the locker room and it was the the blimp shot, an aerial view of the Rose Bowl. Nice. And it had uh, Washington State superimposed in one of the end zones because it, you know, there's no photo ex- that existed of that. And um, he kept it up in the locker room until we were mathematically uh, ineligible for the Rose Bowl. And I remember my sophomore year when uh, the equipment managers came in and, and took it down. I, I went absolutely nuts. I went up into his office and I started screaming at him and everything. He's like, he says, not an achievable goal anymore, Ryan. We'll, we'll regroup. And sure enough, when the season was over my sophomore year, that, that photo went back up in the, in the locker room. And I had made it like, you know, a mission uh, to not see that come down. So Rose Bowl was always the goal. It was never any, you know, it was all of a sudden just kind of started popping up on our, on our, um, uh, on our monitor. No, it was, it was ingrained in us. And so even at one and oh, after we beat UCLA, it was, it was there. It wasn't, it was not a matter of if, but when. It was always in the forefront. We had a special guest on the show. It's Ryan Leaf, All-American quarterback and Washington State legend. And you're sitting at 7-0. and You trail Arizona State 24-0, to but battle back to take a late-game lead, but eventually fall to the 20th-ranked Sun Devils. How did the team handle the first adversity of the season? We handled it really well. I mean, you know, when we walked, we didn't handle it well in the moment. You know, we did something that we hadn't done all year long, we had a terrible bust on the offensive line that that uh, um, that let their star safety come through and knock, you know, was on me in about two steps and knocked the ball loose and they returned it for a touchdown. So we hadn't we hadn't made a bust like that up front all year long. So it, it was a it was a tough situation. But the moment we walked into the locker room, Coach Price, again, as the leader of of all of us, said, let me handle it. All right. This is on me, none of you. Every goal that we want is still ahead of us. We went out, we go to the Rose Bowl, all right? We're Pac-10 champs, remember that. And I think that did a lot for us when we walked onto that plane to fly back to Pullman because when we landed, we were not licking our wounds. I remember when we landed, me and my punter, Jeff Banks, uh, who's the assistant head coach at, down in Alabama and, and special teams coach down there now, uh, we went out. We got, we landed at like, you know, one in the morning, two in the morning or something like that. You know, we went to the only place that was still open, Denny's, and we <laughs> saw everybody and, you know, everybody was still congratulating us and, and saying they got our back and we just kind of needed that. So Coach Price was the, the the gang leader in that process. And then how we responded is, is, is what was made up of that team. We responded by putting an absolute uh, boot stomping on Southwest Louisiana oh, the next yeah. week. You had 300-plus yards in that game, and uh, the team gets a scare against Stanford. You're trailing 28-27. 
You had a 66-61 and 61 yard drive in the fourth quarter to steal the victory over the Cardinal. Are, are comebacks just business as usual right now? Well, there, I think there was never a point where we thought we would be stopped. Like, you know, we, it was just a matter of time for us. We could struggle up the gate and it would – it'd be true again in the apple a couple of weeks later. I don't think we'd score in the first quarter against Washington. Um, but in this, but in this Stanford game, it was all about taking what they gave us because this was the first team that really came in with a game plan to stop us going down the football field. And they kind of put a, a an iron curtain at about 15 to 18 yards and just wouldn't allow anything down the field. So I had to be meticulous and both of my touchdown passes were just, you know, were like, six yard slants or something like that. They weren't what we had done all year long and, and had big explosive plays. We found a way to get it done. Largest crowd ever in Martin St- Martin stadium history. Uh, I, I, I pulled the Heisman pose right in front of the Stanford bench after yeah, throwing a nice. touchdown <laughs> and and the fans carried me off the field that we would win all of our home games that year. Uh, it just, it was, yeah a special special time in Pullman and everybody got to experience it. That's the cool thing about it. The inland empire got to experience something that hadn't been done uh, forever. Yeah. Well, like you said, something that hadn't been done forever, knowing the Cougars had not been to the Rose Bowl, like we said, since 1931, you and the team talking about making history against 17th ranked Washington in the Apple cup. How special is the Apple cup? It's, it's really special. It's uh, you know, I had a really good rival in, in high school as well. So I, I, kind of been propped up and built on rivalries. My dad was a, a Montana State Bobcat. Some others in our family were Grizzlies. So I, 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 did, I saw a rivalry and I understood it and it meant something to me. So when I got on campus in Pullman and I was told that team over there on the west side that wears the purple, you hate them. <laughs> you hate purple. You hate everything about them. And I believe that. And I would. this would be the third time I got to play. The first one, I played my tail off in my first start. We lost by a field goal. The next year at home, we were we needed it to go to be bowl eligible, and we lose in overtime when I throw a corner around and my wide receiver isn't able to get one foot down and bounce. So I mean, we were we were so close in these two games, and right now, if if I would walk out of Pullman as as the starting quarterback and never having won an Apple Cup, it doesn't matter how good we we were, um, and we just knew it. We just we we just knew we were going to dominate that team. Uh, we felt it all week in preparation. We were super excited to get to that game, be on national TV, 1230 local Pacific kickoff on ABC. And, and God, we made the most of it. It might be the best football game I've ever played in my life. There was a span where I completed like nine in a row, sometimes completely thrown to the wrong guy uh, in my progression. But I was still, you know, just spot on. I was, it was unconscious. It was the, the funnest, funnest game to be a part of. Wow. Well, unconscious you were, you throw for 358 yards, two TDs through the air, one on the ground in the victory. Uh, what was the feeling in the locker room post game as you clinch a share of the Pac-10 title and Washington State's first Roll Bowl berth in 67 years? I'd like to say that we were not co-champions because the team we were co-champions with, we beat. Yes. So I, I, I don't I don't follow that. I know UCLA likes to follow that perspective. I don't. Um well, it happened, you know, at the end of the game when the announcer announced that UCLA had beat uh, USC. That was what we needed to happen for us to win the, I guess, essential tiebreaker that if we won, we go to the Rose Bowl as Pac-12 champions. 
Pac-10 champions at the time. Yes. And then the announcer made the announcement and the place went wild. And then we're in Seattle on the purple, you know, husky turf and it's flooded with crimson. It's just flooded with crimson fans. I get carried off the field. Uh, We go into the locker room and it's just, uh, just absolute uh, pandemonium with one another and just the emotion. I, I, you know, I can't put it in perspective. It's something I'll never forget, but uh, it it was the best feeling in the world to celebrate with these guys that I'd been with for four years, accomplish something that hadn't been accomplished in 67. Unbelievable. We're speaking with Ryan Leaf, All-American quarterback and Washington State legend. And uh, even though the Rose Bowl didn't go the Cougars' way against Michigan, the eventual national champions, did you turn to Mike Price and say, you know, we, we did it. We, we made it to the Rose Bowl. That was our goal when you called me before I was a Washington State Cougar? No, I was pissed. You know, I didn't, I didn't go there to, to lose. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a ton of controversy uh, on the ending of that game. There's a ton of controversy. In fact, they changed the rule in college football because of that game. Now there has to be three seconds on the clock for uh, a quarterback to spike the ball. If there's two seconds, yes. they can't spike it. They have to run a play because they say two seconds automatically comes off. If you watch the, the TV version and, and the game, you can see I spike it with one second left on the clock and the officials say, no game over. We had the ball at the 26 yard line. Now don't get me wrong. I should have just called a play and ran it. At least we would have had a chance, but Mike price always, uh, says it best you know he was in that locker room afterwards and he said it from that moment on to boosters and fans uh over the last uh you know 22 years he goes we didn't lose that game uh, we just ran out of time that's true. and that's the best way to put it um i had told the team i think three days previous three days prior uh that i was gonna forego my senior season and go go play professionally so i knew it was my last game uh, my family was there um, I got to celebrate with my teammates. Though we were disappointed, I think we knew what we had accomplished. And like Coach said, if we would have had, if we would have got to play that final play, I, I think the way the season had gone and what we expected from one another, we would have made the play. Like you said, it's exactly the way the season was going, and uh, you would have been ended up victorious. How tough a decision was it to leave uh, with a year of eligibility remaining? Unfortunately, it wasn't hard at all. Um, yeah. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of pride and ego in in that version of myself 22 years ago. And not only was I going to go play professional football, but I was going to be the first or second pick in the NFL draft. And I was going to do it a year early. That those were just like yeah. quantifiers that went on top of quantifiers that made me more important in my eye. And and as somebody who wasn't successful at the next level and flamed out very very publicly. To, to give away uh, what was the best four years of my life, to actually give a year away of that um, is something that I regret a lot now at, at 44 years old. Now I can't go back and change it, yeah, that's but it's one of my biggest regrets that I didn't, it's one of my biggest regrets that I didn't stay, play a fifth year and enjoy another, another year of college football. I think it, could, it would have done uh, a lot for me emotionally and, and particularly maturity-wise, because we were going to struggle that year. We lost 28 seniors, and so we were going to struggle. And if we were able to get back to being bull eligible, uh, and there would have been a heavy criticism on me and, and a big spotlight, I think it would have done 
a number uh, of things for me in terms of maturity going through something like that. Well, you did end your career third in the Heisman voting behind Charles Woodson and Peyton Manning. Won the Sammy Ball Trophy, which goes to the most outstanding passer. You were first team All-American, Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year. So much more. Did you appreciate all those accomplishments while it was happening? I hear from players that you were just looking to the next game, looking to the next game, looking to the next game. I mean, I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we play, we like to be patted on the back. Now, at 44, do, do I care about any of that stuff? No, I don't know where any of those awards are. I'm sure my dad has them somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but at the time, it was like a, a measuring tool, you know, and and um, value. And it was valuable, yeah, for for me uh, to be named those things, um, just like anybody. But you understand what's important later in life, right? And and, and have perspective around it, but. Uh, the real awards goes to that team that year. I mean, it was just made up of a bunch of ragtag kids that weren't wanted anywhere else that came together and, and, and did something uh, that hasn't, you know, just hasn't been done since. Exactly. And we're speaking with Ryan Leaf, all American quarterback and Washington state legend. And let's uh, talk about the coach who put that ragtag team together. Mike price. He was named coach of the year in 97, also mentored, Drew Bledsoe, Jason Gesser. What was the impression that he left on you? Well, he's like a second father. You know, you, you, you know, when, when a man steps into your home and tells your parents that he's going to take care of you, uh, your son's going to be safe and he's going to, I'm going to make him the best possible version of an athlete as I can and human. Uh, there's, there's something special around that. There's a, there's a accountability to that. And he lived up to every, every moment of it. Um, you know, I consider him one of my best friends. He taught me how to play quarterback. He taught me how to enjoy life. Uh, and, uh, you know, he'll be a friend, uh, as long as I'm alive and, uh, he's somebody I still go to for guidance. I always will. That's fantastic to hear. You were talking about a little bit about the NFL draft. How was it being tied to Peyton Manning prior to the 98 draft? And, uh, how is your relationship now? Um, it, it was, it was it was difficult because he was considered kind of the golden boy. Therefore there had to be an opposite to that. And I was kind of the, mm. the black hat. I got you. And instead of correcting people and reminding them that we're much more similar than we are different being, you know, a couple country boys who were getting a chance to do what they'd always dreamed of doing. I kind of played into that Dennis Rodman role because I wasn't, transparent or uh, vulnerable enough to tell people that hey it hurts when people you're say also I'm young bad. i mean i don't think people realize how you know you're 20 21 people years re- old. people realize how young you are i mean every year there's a 21 year old drafted so i mean people understand that they just they they, they don't, don't expect care. yeah they don't care and uh you know when people said i was bad and uh or the kind of the 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 devil um, version, you know, it harkened back to growing up in, in my small town in Montana and, and being told that it was a shaming feeling. And so, you know, I just, you know, I was an arrested development and that, that didn't help things. So that was, that was hard to be in comparison when it came to that. Now being considered either the first or second pick in the draft, was huge. That's how I expected it to be, right? I yeah. you know, I I was 
every bit as talented and as good as, as Peyton Manning in my mind and in a lot of people's eyes. Oh, it was always but, a flip of the coin to, to, to a lot of the animals. It's not. It's not a flip of the coin. That's the thing. We were both – I mean, people go like – you know, we we just, we just we missed on Riley. You didn't. You had the most talented guy in the draft. It's it's a matter of the the person and what he does with that. And I just I failed at it miserably. There isn't a flip of the coin on that deal on who you pick. You know, if you want to be successful, you draft Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf as the first and second pick in that draft. That's if you believe you're going to push your. There's no there were no red flags to look for or anything like that. Sure. No one did that kind of research and stuff back then. So if if anybody ever tells you that what the heck were the chargers thinking back then every other team in the league would have drafted me second. So Absolutely. don't, don't, don't buy into the, the idea that like, that was just a, a terrible misfire. It no. was, it was poor choices by me and what I did moving forward through that process. Yeah, no, it wasn't a terrible misfire. It was that everybody were saying you could take either you first or Peyton first. It, it didn't matter. They, you were equally uh, outstanding at the, and it went the way I wanted it to. I didn't want to go to Indianapolis, you know, why would you, you know, <laughs> you, you, you make millions I of dollars. Sunshine and go live on the, <laughs> yeah. You can go make millions of dollars and live on the beach with babes and, and the surf and everything like that. Are you kidding me? I mean, I was, I wasn't thinking about the right things. I wasn't thinking about the fact that, you know, Marvin Harrison and Marshall Falk were the guys I was going to be handing the ball off and, and, and throwing, throwing to. to. You know, that's that's a big difference. Sure. And we have on the show Ryan Leaf, All-American quarterback and Washington State legend. And speaking of Peyton Manning, did he actually send you a text during a Georgia State upset of the Vols, a game you were uh, broadcasting at one point? Well, yeah. I mean, I saw him. Uh, it was the first time I'd seen him in a long time. Uh, I saw him before the game and met his son down on the field. And then, of course, the Georgia State upset. Uh, you know, we text from time to time and that was, you know, he's a funny guy. He's, you know, oh, he's yeah. really funny. And he's just like, you know, you can, you're not allowed to call, uh, a Tennessee balls game again. Um, having them be upset like that, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a great game to call. It was my first it was my first ESPN. Oh, that was your first game. And, wow. And, uh, it, it was right out the gate and to get that kind of upset, um, by Georgia State was 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 fun. It was a fun game to call for sure. Oh, I'm sure, and I can understand why Peyton was upset then, as <laughs> if he was upset by Georgia State. He wasn't upset, really. <laughs> Tell me about the fans in Pullman. You were talking about them, how they stormed the field. Give me a feel for the fans in Pullman. Um, you know, very loyal. There's something about being a Cougar when you decide when you're 18 years old on who you're going to be the rest of your life. That doesn't happen anywhere in the world, right? You, you know. I lived in Canada for a while and where you went to college, it did, there wasn't an identity that went with it. But when you're 18, you decide on who you're going to be the rest of your life, essentially. And when I was 18, I decided I was going to be a Cougar. So every alumnus or every fan that, that went to Washington State is a part of that. Um, there's something unique and special. We're, we kind of play that underdog role. You know, we have a chip on our shoulder. And when we see crimson and gray somewhere else or the Cougar logo, we walk in in airports, you'll hear it. You'll hear go Cougs from, uh, from off in the distance. And you know, immediately that's, that's a brother or a sister. That's I think the best definition of, of the fans for, for Washington. Do you State. run in and run into any uh, Coug fans down in California? Uh, not in the last nine months. Uh, cause this has been about yes. the, the version of what I've, but yeah, you run into them everywhere and every, everywhere and, and anywhere. Um, it's the only, it's the only place I don't see people who see somebody wearing a Huskies sweatshirt in a, in an airport, get, get the yell out, go Huskies from another person. I, it, it's, I just don't hear it. It happens 
only with this uh, with this university and, and being an alumnus uh, and a fan of Washington State. Fantastic. All right, it's time to go. Ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with Ryan Leaf. Three-letter questions to close out the interview. First off, uh, we were talking about the Apple Cup. Which do you consider a better Apple Cup, yours or the Snowball? Um, well, they're both very meaningful to me. The, the day that, uh, that the Snowball happened with Drew Bledsoe throwing for a bunch of yards and beating, I think, the fifth-ranked yes. Washington yes. team, we were winning the state championship. Wow. And my, the front page of the paper is, of course, in my hometown is the headlines of us and, and our accomplishment. And down in the left-hand corner, there's Sean Bay Wright Fair running in the snow as a, as a clipped picture of the, the days of college, of college football on that Sunday morning paper. My mom and dad got the actual print, like the silver print that they used to nice. print the, the pages, yeah. and, and I had it framed. And I hadn't been, I, I wasn't being recruited by Washington State at that moment. So it really had no tie. But then it did become one because I had this beautiful piece of art with, you know, us coming together. So that that's a that's a meaningful game for me too. Because, but of course, it's it's our Apple Cup. I mean, got <laughs> us to the Rose Bowl for the first time in sixty seven years. It was probably the best football game I ever played. Outstanding. And uh, number two, you've been a columnist, wrote a book, five ninety six switch, host the Believe in Pac twelve podcast, and are an ESPNU college football analyst. Which one of those is the toughest and which one of those is the most enjoyable? Writing a book is the hardest, oh, right? I, I mean, it just, <laughs> it just is. That was, that was difficult. Um, but none of it's real hard work. It's, it's, I'm blessed to be able to do what I get to do uh, as a job. Um, that's, that's the coolest thing about this. And I, and I think it, for all the struggles I went through in my life, uh, I, I don't take it for granted. I work really hard at it. Um, I want to. I want to. I want to continue to be good at it, so I can not only continue to to have a great job uh, and and support my family, but I really enjoy being part of the the college football landscape. Uh, you know, it gave me everything, and and I want to give back every way I can. So that's, that's probably the best way to put that. Yeah, all about perspective. Is it tough not to just grab a helmet, run out on the field? No, not at all. I mean, you're, you're these guys that. get these guys have gotten bigger, stronger, and faster. And I am, I am an old man. <laughs> they don't look it. And finally, I'm a foodie. You played in Pullman and are from Montana. What's a legendary meal or place to eat in Big Sky Country? Where are we going, and what are we having? Are we getting a little big game, or Montana is local cuisine. Uh, Great Falls, Montana has uh, had three. There was a, a pizza joint called Howard's Pizza. It's okay. local. They cut it up in squares. It's kind of a thin crust. It's it's my go-to when I go home. They have a local Mexican place called Taco Treat. Uh, it, it's my go-to when I'm home as well. And there used to be a uh, a sandwich shop called the Feedlot. It's, it has since gone out of business. Unfortunately, but that name, was my though. stop. If, <laughs> I if, yeah, I, if I'm home for if I'm home for six days, uh, I was doubling down on on those three places for the six days I was home. My mom didn't like it so much because she wanted to have her own, wanted to cook for me and have home cooked meals. But but those are the spots in in Great Falls, Montana. If I go back, hopefully I'll get back to Big Sky Country sooner than later. All right, we've been speaking with Ryan Leaf, All American quarterback and Washington State legend. Thanks for joining me, Ryan. You bet. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.